I'm Stacy Mitchell, and you're listening to Something Even Better, a podcast about letting go of old dreams and what's not working so you can make room for something even better, where we explore the many unexpected twists we all go through to find our way to more aligned and meaningful work and lives. Hello, my lovely listeners. Today on the podcast, I'm bringing you something a little bit different. A while ago, I was offering niche and messaging intensives, and I was lucky enough to work with the amazing Yenna Helberg of the Building Balance podcast through this intensive, which, by the way, I just want to say I did one of these recently for a client in February, and I'm thinking I'm going to bring them back, but with even more value and a little bit of a twist. So hold tight for me. That is coming because I love them. But let's get back into today's episode. So Yenna reached out recently to tell me how much she enjoyed two of my most recent podcasts, the Arrival Fallacy podcast episode and the episode about working for yourself versus working for someone else. And she asked if we could record a spinoff interview of the intersection between a rival fallacy and the myths of entrepreneurship for her podcast. And just to be honest, because I'm always thinking of how to save myself time, I asked her if I could share our interview here for all of you. And she said yes, which is awesome. And I got to say, it was super fun, really eye-opening, and we shared a ton of real-life stories about entrepreneurship and about the many myths that we've been told about building a business. I really think you're going to love it. Highly recommend you listen, and I highly recommend that you check out her podcast. She is super smart and really helpful for entrepreneurs who are looking to do less. Like, you've got to listen Again, that's Yenna Helberg of the Building Balance podcast. I have linked to all of her stuff. She's a really amazing freebie right now. I have linked to all of that in the podcast show notes. So without further ado, here's our interview. Hi, Stacy. Welcome. I'm so excited that you're my first ever podcast guest. Before we get into our topic, can you quickly tell the listener a little bit about what you do? Sure. And I just want to say thank you for having me as your first ever podcast guest. (laughs) It's an honor. So honestly, I want to say this is probably the hardest question that you're going to ask me on this entire interview. (laughs) I really struggle. I really struggle to define myself um, clearly as any sort of entrepreneur or really person, right? But I am a life and business coach. Um, I have a podcast host for something even better. And to put it as simply as possible, I help people quit what no longer fits. Uh, And my focus is really on helping people quit businesses, careers, maybe jobs, um, even sometimes school, and especially social media. Um, I'm currently dipping my toe into SEO research, which is really fun. And may soon be focusing on helping some business mo- business owners move away from social media, um, which is what I've been doing in my own business. So <laughs> I also want to openly tell everyone, I also work full time as a business coach um, for a really successful online business. And that is a really fun part of my life too. And that's been such an exciting thing to follow along um, since I listened to your podcast. And I'm excited to hear more about your SEO experiments because SEO was something I worked really hard at in my photography business and it was and it still is the number one way that new families find me. So I'm excited to hear what comes up for you. But before I start talking SEO for like three hours, let's dive into today's topics because we've got a good amount of stuff to cover. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) So Kind of the key message in your truths about entrepreneurship episode was that entrepreneurship is sold as an identity. And as you mentioned in that episode, it is really hard to be sold on entrepreneurship 
if you talk about the rough stuff that you have to deal with as the owner of a business. So instead, there's this focus on identity and it's kind of being like buffed up through all of these different myths. But it's important that people talk about the experience of a business owner as a whole. So I decided that I'd love to have you on the podcast instead of me rambling on by myself about what Stacy said on her podcast. So I thought that I would list out some of the myths that you mentioned around entrepreneurship. And then I'd love it if we just talked about each a little bit more in detail. Super excited for this. <laughs> so the first one uh, is no one can tell you what to do or you never have to answer to a boss again. I hear it all the time, all the time. So this one really <laughs> bothers me uh, because if anything, I think having a business usually puts way more responsibility on your shoulders for literally everything. Uh, there are clients to answer to the legalities you have to know about and follow. And even if you don't know about it, it doesn't matter. You still have to be following them. <laughs> right. All the techie stuff that just loves to break on you, like your website and all the things. Mm -hmm. And I could go on and on and on. Like if you sell anything, literally anything, service, course, whatever it is, you have customers and you thus have customer service and customers to answer to. So also... I think most of us are also our own worst critics. We're the hardest on ourselves and thus we're our own worst boss, right? And <laughs> we'll have ourselves like working a huge amount of hours every week because we're so hard on ourselves. So I think it's just not true. Like the, like that's why it's a myth, right? It's just <laughs> not true. Right. I was thinking about it when you talked about that is that we can be really harsh on ourselves too. We probably tell ourselves worse things than we ever really would hear coming out of a boss's mouth. So that's like also something to consider that that's something we need to work on as business owners. Um, if we want to yes. be happy business owners. Absolutely. And it's something to work on before, right? Like before you ever really jump in, I think it's like the self-talk. So, so right. Yeah. And and no one says that. No one talks about like, these are the things you should <laughs> ponder before you get into business. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and then the second myth I wanted to talk about was that you never have to do work you don't love. Yeah, I feel like I just mentioned so many of those above all the tech stuff, the tax stuff, the legal stuff. But even for some people, it's marketing. It's a lot of writing that tends to go into business, I think, especially online business. And mm -hmm. if you just look at the coaching industry, you only get to spend maybe half your time coaching if you're lucky. And, you know, that's true for a lot of things, right? So if no matter what you're doing, whatever service you provide, you have to market yourself. So a large part of what you're doing is marketing. Mm -hmm. um, but also sometimes it's just admin, right? Making sure people pay you, making sure you're tracking your expenses and what you're being paid. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, yeah. And I actually think that's why I love working full-time as a coach so much in my job, because I have the possibility of just coaching if I want to. So it's kind of funny that I got that job, right? <laughs> I got that through a job yeah. and not a business uh, because I think everybody would be like, oh no, you can't get it through a job. Like you have to get that through a business. And it's actually the other way around, which is kind of curious. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually been researching for um, another podcast episode that I'm doing, and the stats say that small businesses are spending on average 20 hours a week on marketing, and usually it's divided between two people, so the owner and then maybe another team member. That's a lot of hours just spent on marketing. Yeah, I think that being a business owner is great if you also enjoy doing some of that other stuff that comes with being a business owner. Like, I love writing, I love podcasting, but even still, there's a lot of stuff in my business that I don't love doing. And it takes a certain amount of success to start outsourcing those things. And even then, you can't really outsource it all. Right. Yeah. And speaking of, um, seeing success. 
The third myth that I wanted to talk about was your income potential is limitless or or being an entrepreneur is the best way to create wealth. You had done a good chunk of research around what it's looking like financially for entrepreneurs. So could you tell the listener about these things? Yeah, this might blow all of your minds because I feel like this is yep. the most common myth I see is like, this is the way to become rich, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Overnight success doesn't happen. Uh, but the stats that are actually out there show us that only about 40% of small businesses are actually profitable at all, mm-hmm. which when you think about that, it's like, how is that even possible? So 30% are breaking even, which means they're spending as much as they're making. And then 30% are actually losing money. So when you think about, you know, uh, the possibilities of income potential, it's like, yes, if your business is profitable, maybe, but then Mm -hmm. even the other research shows that entrepreneurs have, and I'm going to do this in quotes, both lower initial earnings and lower earnings growth than in paid employment. And there is a median earnings differential of 35% for individuals in business for 10 years. So basically, if you're in business for 10 years, typically you're making less like than an entrepreneur. Uh, uh, sorry, somebody who is employed, <laughs> you're making less. So it's like mm, 10 years, you know, um, and 35% less, like that's not fun. And, and I think it's not what's being sold to us either, right? No, I can completely like I am in this group like I I worked as a psychologist back home in Finland and it of course took several years for me here to get the photography business to get going. So yeah, it, it has definitely not been like the wealth builder <laughs> that it was sold as. Something I also didn't see anyone talking about anywhere when I started my business was that as a business owner you have to pay that extra 15-ish percent of taxes on your earnings. It made me feel pretty sad <laughs> during my first few years in my photography business because I was making so little money already. And then taxes were pretty high because of my husband's um, work in the engineering world. And I was just like shocked when we got our papers back from the tax lady and there was this 15% that had been taken out <laughs> of my little. of my little income. Yeah, it's a lot. And you probably, you probably (laughs) heard the one about the truth about working for yourself versus working for someone else in the sense of like, there was a section about taxes where it's, yes, nobody talks about it. (laughs) So interesting. I had no idea. (laughs) And at least in the US, your employer covers part of the federal taxes. Um, And again, I'm not a tax professional by any means. So please, but um, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. But that's money. That's money in your pocket that you then have to pay the government by being self-employed or an entrepreneur, which is, it is, it's so hard to see that money. You're like, oh, yeah. and I remember it too. I'd get, I'd get, I mean, I get paid, right? I get paid by clients and then I'd be like, okay, I can keep, you know, like 60% of this because right. I have expenses that I have to pay out of that. And I have taxes that I have to pay out of it. It's really hard. Yeah. It took me a while to learn like, well, I'm just going to have to charge more to cover for that and then pretend that I'm not charging more. Like when I, (laughs) when I look at my, look at the money in the bank account. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's when you really figure out you have to charge more money than you think. (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's one of those times (laughs) when the light bulb goes off. Yeah. Okay, so we have myth number four. You get to create your own schedule and be totally free and flexible. Yeah, so I never struggle taking solid, literally not doing any work vacations until I was full-time in my business. Because relying on your business's income to pay your bills, it just makes it hard to take time off. You need really solid systems, really solid planning, And I'd even say like stability, meaning Mm -hmm. that you're getting a relatively steady stream of clients already and that you know how to project revenue. You need all of that to take time off without damaging your earning potential. And for most people, it just, that takes a while and it's not, 
And when I say it takes a while, it can take years. So, uh, and I know some, some of, some people are probably like, Oh, <laughs> that's a bummer, Stacy. But I'm just, I'm just telling you what I have seen. So, you know, that's my, my two cents there. Yeah, I'm thinking about the photography business. I think in the first couple of years, I didn't have trouble taking time off until I was like back from vacation and was like, oh, I need to kind of start again with marketing and things because like no one's contacted me while I was away. And it also took a while to accept that as a photographer, like I would get the most work during spring and summer and then closer to like holidays when in summer was the time I would have wanted to be taking time off. Right. When I was doing more newborn work, I mean, I mean, newborns are born around the year, but somehow still people were more inclined to do sessions in spring and summer. So, so you gotta, you gotta, you know, <laughs> pick what do you want to do? Think about what that means. Yeah. Also, when I was doing birth photography, I definitely had no control over my schedule because babies are born whenever and maybe I was at the birth for for 12 to 24 hours so not totally free (laughs) right yeah depending on your business model it can be not at all totally free and flexible for sure (laughs) and it's funny so before we moved here and I worked as a psychologist like even though I had like a nine-to-five job though in Finland it's more like an eight-to-four job Um, I knew all my nights were free. I knew my weekends were free. I did not need to take any work with me home. So that has been something that has been making me think like, okay, if I wanted the freedom and the flexibility in this job, I, I need to make sure that I am keeping those similar boundaries, which is a lot harder to do when you're working from home. Yeah, So as I was thinking about what I would want us to talk about, I also thought about a couple more myths that maybe we could talk about. So one thing that I've heard a lot is starting a business on the side is easy money. I can't even count how many times I've heard like a personal personal finance podcaster or expert say, just start a side hustle if you need some extra income or You know, seen articles that say things like, if you need to make more money and you already own a camera of some kind, doing wedding photography is an easy side hustle, as if nothing else goes into making money as a business owner, aside from like the decision to do it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. Yeah, um, honestly, I just think there's so many more easier (laughs) ways to make money. Um, if all you want is to make money, I recommend that you get a second job, like get a part-time job. And I know that that's hard for some people, but Mm -hmm. I would really recommend that before starting an actual business, because being a business owner typically requires a ton of investment before you make any money. You have to have a website. Um, you, and even just, I'm just going to say my expenses for a year Mm-hmm. And th- these are like bare bones expenses in my business right now. It's about $1,200 a year. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, <laughs> if I don't make, you know, at least twice that amount of money, well, that sucks, right? And yeah. <laughs> so it, it can be a money losing endeavor more than it can be a money making endeavor. Um, and I think the idea that just because you own a camera or even like you can get on social media, Right. That it just means you can be successful as a photographer or anything else. I think it's it's silly. They make it sound way easier than it actually is. And I really think that if you believe that it's going to be super easy, you're probably going to quit because you're going to become really, really frustrated. Um, I'm on somebody's email list and I really like her, but she's always constantly talking <laughs> about creating your own job. Just create your own job. That's sort of her thing. Right. Um And she talks about becoming this really well-paid freelancer and her story and how easy it was for her. But she also did it a long time ago. There was less competition. She has years of experience, (laughs) right? But she makes it sound like, just quit your job, right? And you'll make money immediately. And for most people, at least today, it just doesn't work that way. Absolutely. And I, I mean, it used to drive me bananas hearing that 
as a photographer who was pouring, you know, everything I had into my business, that it's easy because my growth was pretty slow. I mean, I was doubling my revenue every year, but it felt slow since I was at the time comparing to my husband's software engineer income and just generally measuring myself against all the six-figure noise that was prevalent then. And in a photography business, you have a lot of expenses. There's, there's, there's just so much that you need to pay for. And every time you get a client, you also get expenses if you provide any kind of physical product. So that's true. Yeah, this is just a very, very weird discussion <laughs> to have seen out there. Speaking of this, like, six-figure noise, <laughs> another another myth I thought of was that you can make infinite passive income. Thoughts? Uh, yes, <laughs> this is so true for a myth. Passive income is not actually passive at all. Don't believe the lies. <laughs> Unless you are extremely, extremely lucky. And even then, you have to put in a massive amount of work before you make passive income. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, like most passive income is from these lower cost self paced courses or e courses. Like that's what makes it passive, right? You create it and then you're done. Yeah. But the problem with that, it's low cost. So if it's 27, 37, 47, even $97, if you want to make enough money, you need a lot of traffic. Yeah. You need people to see that course, that ebook a lot to convert to purchasing them. Um, and what nobody tells you is that you may have to invest in ads to get in front of enough potential buyers to get any sales and ads right now, especially are really, really hard. Uh, there are people who that's what their expertise is. And they're like, this is a struggle right now because constantly changing things, privacy things, which I, I am happy for the privacy things, but <laughs> it's making it really hard for people who are running ads. And it's just, it's not easy. And I think we're getting back to the kind of the same thing that we just talked about, where if you started 15 years ago and you have really great SEO and you're getting hundreds of thousands of people to your website, yeah, mm -hmm. you're probably, you probably have <laughs> passive income, but all this said, it's very, very rarely actually passive. Yes. And I feel like while sort of truly passive income can maybe be sort of be true for some people eventually after that initial work to set things up, which can take years and lots of human hours, um, passive income is not really why I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to work with people. I love trying out new things in my business and and seeing how I can make a difference, but it requires me to be a very active participant. Like I love producing this podcast so that I can share thoughts and tips with people who maybe aren't in a position to work with me. So I, I have no interest in being passive and I feel like you're also my kind of people. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. It's not that I would never create a course or anything else. It would be for the reason that you just sort of said where it's like, oh, you can't afford to work with me one-to-one -one or in this group. Like, here's another option, but it's never going to be like, this is the only way and get away from me. Not that I think people who have passive income feel that way necessarily, but, um, and something we didn't even touch on. Like, if you want to remain competitive, you have to keep updating your, your products all the time. So it's not that passive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, now that we're talking about sort of the stuff that already has to go behind this go on behind the scenes with passive so-called passive income i thought that we could move on to talk about some other things that go on behind the scenes that aren't talked about a lot so the first thing that came to mind for me was that you don't necessarily need a six or seven or eight figure business there was this weird thing that happened to me a few months ago, and now I forget if I messaged you about it, but I had a woman reach out to me in my Instagram DMs, and she did the whole like, hey, I saw you're a coach. How did you get into this? Blah, blah, blah. And eventually she asked me like, how are you managing to work both on your podcast and, and doing coaching? And then she started talking about scaling and making my business go boom and like, casually just dropped in there that she runs 12, six, seven, and eight figure businesses. And with her system, 
I could too. And I had, you know, a very strong, big no reaction to this discussion. When I said that running 12 businesses isn't what I'd like to do, she got back to me with all kinds of mindset stuff, like, you know, the very common ways of tackling objections, but in a manipulative way. And it was just, just not comfortable. (laughs) And um, I also want to talk about the fact that having that six or seven or eight figure business, it doesn't, it just means that that's the revenue coming in, but it's not what you get as a salary as the owner. But those numbers are, of course, shinier to talk about. But let's say that your revenue is a million dollars and the cost of everything that goes into running your business is 900000 So is all of that responsibility of running that business worth $100,000? Because, you know, you're not getting that actual million. And I'd rather have a business that has like 75000 in revenue and then I can take home fifty. And just work with like a part-time virtual assistant and maybe a podcast editor or something like that. I don't need to build a million dollar business. It's, I think it's, I mean, honestly, I think the focus on the six, seven, eight figure really comes from how do we keep people chasing more? It's like grow, grow, grow. Don't stop growing. Always seek more, more revenue, more sales. And that's what creates sales for them, right? Um, right. <laughs> and yeah, cause the more we focus on like, this is the best way, right? <laughs> Making tons <laughs> of money is the best way, the more they can sell things to us. But, um, and it's not that I think it's a bad thing. I know there are probably mm-hmm. people who really do want a six figure, um, or a million dollar business and they have their reasons, Right. but I think most people don't actually want that as the reality. Um, you know, I, I now work for a million dollar plus business and from the inside perspective, I can tell you, I don't, I personally don't <laughs> want one. And it's yeah. a very well run business, I want to say, but it is a lot of responsibility. And I don't think I'd probably even be able to sleep at night. I'd be so anxious. So not everyone wants it. And I think it's sort of unfair that we don't see the reality of what what you just talked about, where it's like you could make a million dollars in revenue, but you're really only bringing home a hundred thousand dollars when you take into account all that goes into to running that business. And for some people, they they're totally okay with that. For right. me, just like you, I'd be like, oh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> I could you could probably get a job that's less taxing, right? For me. Yeah. But it just, I know it all just depends. But yeah, the reality is so different than than what they make it out to be, I think. Yes. And then and it was funny because this woman was telling me, like, oh, but it's so easy because like you just have your team doing all the things. I'm like, but you're also reaching out to me in the DMs. <laughs> like, like you're also working. Yeah. Like you have to train your team. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into having a team and what happens when people, I mean, we, t- you know, people leave, people quit, people aren't great when you hire them. And it's like, well, that in itself is stress. And if you're not good at that, if you're not good at onboarding people and training people and all of that, like that's <laughs> not going to be fun. So yeah, yeah it's interesting how it's like, it's so easy. <laughs> what if I don't want to manage 10 people? <laughs> or what if I don't even want to manage the one person that manages all of those people? Because that's not what I want for my life and my business. Yep. Yep. So speaking of that, it's super easy to do. Actually, a lot of these people aren't talking about the privileges that allow for that success to happen for them or to build for them. Maybe having someone pour money into your business, or at the very least, someone who supports you financially while you figure things out. What are your thoughts around this? <laughs> and I just got so excited. Like this is, <laughs> this is something I'm really, really, um, I like to talk about this. So when I started getting super serious about my own business, I mm-hmm. invested just around $20,000 in a year. Um, 
it was everything I made that year. And I paid a lot of it before I'd made any of it. Right. Right. So just to get it off the ground, um, it was definitely a risk, but I also had a solid close to six figure job at that point. My husband had a full-time job too at that point. So that investment felt safe, right? It felt easy for me to make. They weren't, I can't pay my rent or my bills or for food or anything else. It wasn't that kind of risky, right? Right. Um, And when I quit my full, or yeah, when I quit that job to go full-time in my business, I had built up quite a bit of savings and I'd built up my business to about $5,000 a month. And I thought, yep, it's going to be fine. But (laughs) it was not. (laughs) It just, it was, it was, um, there was too much anxiety for me, right? I thought I'd built a runway, but it just wasn't enough for my comfort. Mm -hmm. And I think now that there's some time and space for me to reflect on all of that, I suspect, and this is kind of silly, but that the hot back summer of 2021, (laughs) where everybody was like, I'm vaccinated, I'm doing whatever I want. And I don't care about like joining people's coaching programs. I think that's what really freaked me out. And it made me look for a job because no one really talks about that like how your business can have a really amazing month. And then like you have crickets and nothing. And if Mm -hmm. you don't have that privilege of maybe a partner that makes really good money or really solid safety net of a lot of money underneath you, just in case as a cushion, like that's really scary. It's really scary. And at least for me, it was really hard. Yeah. I'm, I'm realizing this now. I talk about it sometimes, but I think I need to talk about it more to be more transparent around it. That, transparent around it, that there's no way I would have been able to experiment with the photography business and now with the coaching business as much as I have, because we live in the San Francisco Bay Area. It is super expensive. Um, But because my husband works as a software engineer and, and he's like working his way up in the company, that's how we're able to exist here. That's how I'm able to still be figuring this stuff out. In Finland, I'd be okay even on on my own on the revenue that I was making in the photography business for the, you know, the two years before COVID hit. But it took a few years to get there. So if I was single and living in Finland, I would have been working at least part time in a regular job to support myself or probably even actually even if we were together, I would have still had to have a part time job because the engineering job isn't like as lucrative in Finland as it is here in Silicon Valley. So, yeah, that is something that I need to talk about more just to like put it out there, I think, more. (laughs) It's just like normalizing that not everyone has the means, the privilege to be able to do it. It's just, yeah, which kind of sucks, but I think it's also a good thing just to put out there. Yeah. And, and something to note is also we don't have kids, so we don't have any of those expenses like daycare or anything like that. So, so it's only just like, it's only us two who will have issues (laughs) if things go south. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Yeah. And even with that, I was like, I'm still anxious. Right. <laughs> I can't even imagine like having um, children to take care of. So yeah, yeah. Well, we have the Australian shepherds, you know, that's <laughs> a lot of responsibility. Yeah, our dog children. Yes. <laughs> yes, for, <laughs> it is. <laughs> so speaking of like how long it actually took me to succeed, I thought that that would also be good to talk about. That's something that's not talked about a lot from behind the scenes. So the person who's like speaking about entrepreneurship as like this, this amazing thing, they might already have been doing something for years before they found success and developed whatever five-step formula based on the last steps that they took. But they might be discounting years of kind of warm up and actions that they took that led them to succeed people that they met and networked with. And then when people buy their, you know, five step formula for a six figure launch and it doesn't succeed, it can feel really horrible. Yeah. And it does. I mean, I, I can tell you it does feel really <laughs> horrible. Me too. <laughs> I've been there. I have invested in programs, but then I'm like, oh no, because some of these programs are a big investment. 
Um, and then to not have it work for you definitely makes you feel like a failure. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, it, I hear it all the time where it's like people who have been in this business since basically it, it has existed saying like, (laughs) Oh, well, this is how I did it. But that might've been 15 years ago. And sure. Like I'm sure they're updating things, but they didn't do it this year or last year. Right. They did it 15 years ago or whatever it may be 10 years ago, even five years ago, things change so quickly. Um, and they, I think it's just easy to forget and it's easy to say the, like, if I can do it, you can too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's just not the same. And in fact, like I actually have a podcast about marketing without social media coming out in, I don't know when you're going to put this out, but in late Mm -hmm. February and I'm talking about this experiment, seeing if SEO will work for someone who hasn't been blogging for 10, 15 years, because Mm. I keep seeing entrepreneurs who completely walk away from social media and then, and I love these people, but then they (laughs) act like, well, everybody can do this. Like, just do it. Right. It's so easy to walk away. But most of those entrepreneurs have thousands of people on their email list. Right. And they might, some of them even have like thousands of blog posts. Right. So for me, it's like, well, what happens if a person is just now starting to blog? Like what happens then? What happens if they don't have this huge email list? Is it possible that, and you know, somebody else can actually do it? Um, but it's the same idea, right? Um, and it took me, I think a really, really long time of, warming up and just really not being very good at business <laughs> and getting feedback and really not being very good some more and then getting more feedback and learning <laughs> and still learning, right? I am still learning every single day and I'm finally feeling more confident, but there, I still think there's so much more to learn. And, um, I don't think I, I love a formula, but I don't think that formulas are going to work for everyone because, things change so much and everybody is different and it's just, it's hard. For sure. I feel like a lot of these formulas, they don't account for just the fact that there are differences between humans and circumstances and capacity. And yeah, it is, it is a very tricky, (laughs) tricky landscape out there. (laughs) It is like, (laughs) yeah, it's not as black and white. (laughs) Yeah. So can we talk about who benefits from painting this rosy picture? Like, why do people focus so much on selling entrepreneurship as an identity? Yeah, it's a really good question. And first, I want to answer answer who benefits. And I really do think it's the people selling this idea that entrepreneurship is sort of the savior that we've all been waiting for. It's the thing that can save us from this life of mediocrity and the thing that can help us break away from our boring cubicles and our annoying bosses and the thing that's going to let us do the work we really, really love doing. Like that's the thing I hear all the time. And it's, I mean, I'm just going to be really honest. It's probably the thing that brought me in, you know, and (laughs) it sounds amazing. I fell for it. (laughs) And I think so many people, it's just an easy thing to sell the idea that all of this is really easy and We all love, at least, unfortunately, Americans love like a classic rags to riches story. And we love the idea that like you can just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which anyway, like that's not possible, but, um, (laughs) and just like become a millionaire overnight and you just have to work kind of hard, but not that hard. It's just so interesting. Right. Anyone can do it. But it's just, it's a way to sell it. It's a way to sell it to people. Yeah. Yeah. Like these folks who are selling products and services or programs or courses, they're selling them for people who are potentially aspiring business owners. Like I'm thinking of one very big, big name in the industry or to people who have been at it for a while, but haven't found the success they want to yet. So these people are kind of vulnerable for this kind of messaging and and they're not reach they're not reaching that success at least the one that's been sold to them anyway but like we talked about not everybody needs the seven or eight or even the six figure business yeah yeah and 
In fact, like I just now am thinking of this, but when I was doing the research for the other podcast, I listened to or watched really <laughs> um, a video interview about entrepreneurship. And it's from the research Ooh. paper that I've cited a lot. And in the comments, they had they basically asked for people to come in and comment and say, like, ha- have you been a part of entrepreneurship? Tell us about it. And there were so many people saying, like, I spent I spent everything I had, like basically trying to make this happen for myself. And no, and they just basically like completely walked away um, because they couldn't get that success that's been sold. Right. And I just think that's so, so depressing in many ways. But then there were also a lot of comments that were like, I have a job and I'm so happy now. Right. (laughs) I'm, I'm so much happier now, which is funny, but I think that with um, social media, I just think it's so much easier to sell this idea that you can become a millionaire that works 10 hours a week and that life is awesome. You can have it too for just $9.97 (laughs) if you buy today. (laughs) I mean, seriously, I watched a lot of infomercials when I was growing up (laughs) and I still like will think like, oh, this is like an infomercial. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a lot of hype. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to start using that as if as when I'm trying to f- decide if I'm going to buy like a course or something, I'm going to be like, does this sound like an infomercial? What would Stacy think? <laughs> so true. Yeah. Is it like, I don't know, a slice and dice machine or something? <laughs> Do I really need this? <laughs> well, this is why I am super uncomfortable promising any kind of revenue as a result from working with me, like a revenue growth, um, even though like I've been told by coaches that I should. Because while I can help people like reduce their workload, some people I've coached have been able to make more time for client work. So as a side effect, they're making more money, but it is not a guarantee. And this is why it's important to me that I work with business owners who are already seeing success to some degree. I don't want to be just another person who's like taking a piece of the beginner entrepreneur pie. I would feel very uncomfortable knowing that someone hired me because of a promise of making a certain amount of money when it's not something that we can promise. Nobody, nobody can promise that, right? Yeah, it's true. And I mean, I think that's sort of, and you know, I hope I'm not calling anyone out. I don't want to make anybody feel <laughs> bad, but I sort of think it's like the lazy way of marketing of <laughs> just like, if you do, if you follow this program, we can guarantee we can promise that you're going to make like that to me is like, don't mm. do that because mm. you just, you never know. Like what if they come with an idea that it's like, no, some <laughs> things I'm just going to say, some things are not good business ideas. And right. that's just the way that that's, that's life. Right. But because of that, like you can't promise income because you don't know what someone's coming with and you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Like there's just no way of knowing all the factors that can go into something. I mean, just think about the pandemic alone, right? Yes. I mean, for some of, for some people, it completely took their business down, even though they had success before. And it's like, there's no way we could have ever seen that coming, unfortunately. No. Okay, before we start ending off, I want to shift gears a little bit because this entrepreneurship messaging that we've been talking about is so closely tied to achieving milestones, achieving success, and through that also finding happiness. So I would love for you to tell the listener a bit about arrival fallacy and summit syndrome. You had an episode where you talked about these, and I thought that that was super interesting and how these two like phenomenons can affect how people feel about their business. I think many of us identify as high achievers or ambitious people. So I think that this is something really important to talk about since we've just covered how the image that's sold of entrepreneurship can actually can actually be quite hard to reach. Yeah. So first I'll define really quickly. So arrival fallacy is, it's basically, it's a thought distortion and it's, it's very human where we believe that once I reach whatever goal, 
once, once I achieve this, it doesn't matter what it is. Like we Mm -hmm. all have these things in our heads of what they are. I will be happy, right? I will have arrived. I will be happy and everything will be great. And that's great, right? Like you'll be forever good is basically (laughs) what you think. That's a rival fallacy. Uh, Summit syndrome is very similar, um, but it's, it's slightly different. So summit syndrome is this idea, like, let's say that you want to publish a book and that's like your big dream to publish Mm -hmm. this book. And you spend, I'm just going to say like two years putting all your time, energy, effort, attention into publishing the book, marketing it, blah, blah, blah. You get it out there. Everybody's so excited for you. You have a party and then it's like, (laughs) it's over. And you're like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, I did the thing that I said I was going to do. I put all my time, energy, thought into this. I thought it was going to make me feel some kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm just my normal person that I've always been. Like, I, it didn't change anything. So I have to write a new book. <laughs> right. I have to write a new book. I have to. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's this idea. And I, I mean, I think I'm human too, right? I definitely fell for it. That when you become a successful entrepreneur, you're going to be happy and free, right? Mm -hmm. But then when is enough enough? And, you know, when I first started an online business, six-figure businesses were all the rage, right? And now there's, as you were saying, like this focus on seven-figure, eight-figure. And I feel like the chase for the next big thing never actually ends. Like you get to the goal, whatever the goal is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bring you the satisfaction you want, a rival fallacy. And so you chase the next goal. And it's just this constant chasing of money and freedom and happiness. But those things, like the chasing, it's never going to satisfy you like you thought it would. And so you just keep chasing more, right? I, I think of people who are like, okay, I'm down to 10 hours of work a week. Can I get down to six? Right. Like it's just, <laughs> it kind of gets a little ridiculous. Um, I mean, even if you just think of like the four hour work week, that book, yeah. right. Yeah. It's like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so it's like chasing this really, really hard thing. It's not going to give you what you think it's going to give you. It's interesting. Right. I've noticed this trend too. I remember when I started out in business, there was a lot of talk about offers that could be or should be in the four figure mark, but like in the one to 2000, maybe, which already like is an amazing chunk of money. But now I hear like even five and six figure offers talked about, like you can just slap that price on anything. So it just keeps growing and these expectations keep going up and it's just not sustainable. I love that. It's that wherever you go, there you are, right? It's like, (laughs) darn it, I couldn't get away from myself. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So we've covered a lot of interesting stuff for people to think about and kind of a lot of maybe stuff on the heavier side. So how can we round this off with something positive that the listener can take away from this chat? Yeah, um, I think... The only real way to sort of get off the hedonic treadmill, if you will, of just like more, more, more of entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. is I really think to accept that being an entrepreneur isn't actually a sexy, cool, or better identity at all. Like, I know this is like, what? But I really (laughs) do think it's, it's not the ticket, right? It's not the ticket to your happily ever after. It's an option. And I'm not saying you can't be happy and be an entrepreneur. You definitely can. Um, but you have to know what brings you happiness and peace, which most of the research shows us isn't money after a certain mm-hmm. point, like after you get to a certain stable point. Um, right. And you just have to continue to remind yourself of your own values and what you do actually want. Like, what did you want out of this from the beginning? Was it time with your family, more time for your health, time for your hobbies? Is it to do work you enjoy, to serve others? Like, there's so many things. and I think we get so focused on the goals that we can forget, you know, that we could create those things today, um, wherever you are in your journey. And this is true, whether you're a business owner or not, right? Like how do you create these things today in some sort of way? Mm -hmm. Um, and what's interesting is that you don't really, you don't have, like, I think sometimes there's this idea of like, I have to be an entrepreneur. It's the only way to get what I want, but 
there's also research. There's actual research that shows that the entrepreneurs who believe this, believe that they can only be entrepreneurs, those are the ones that tend to burn out at much higher rates. And I think it's because it's it's kind of, it's it's hard, right? You're putting this very limiting, like, I have to make this work. I can see how burnout could happen that way. And honestly, I think the thing that's made the biggest difference to my own chasing has been getting a job because I don't have mm-hmm. to chase anymore. Um, I don't have to, because the thing for me, and I'm working through this in my own personal life, was this, mm-hmm. the money worries. Like that, that was a big thing that nobody really, really prepared me for. They talk about it, money mindset, blah, blah, blah. But right. also there's this big push, like quit your job. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like, get, get your money mindset, but also quit your job. And I wish I would have really, I don't know, like figured that out and made myself more secure internally, not necessarily from the environment or how much money I had. I didn't do Mm -hmm. that. Um, But getting the job and then unfollowing and unsubscribing from, you know, entrepreneurs that don't make me feel good, that don't match my values, um, Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, this, like I'm not really getting on social media that much anymore. So I don't have, aside from coaching entrepreneurs where I can compare, but I don't have much ability to compare anymore. And so I don't really despair either. Right. Right. It's funny that you said that piece about the money mindset, like you should just quit your job and jump into business ownership. And I feel like that's also like something that we hear a lot. Like you got to jump in with both feet. Like you need to let go of your job because if you're not in it, you're not going to be successful but they're gonna make money off of us eventually going like shoot I need help I need to hire somebody or I need a program or whatever like it's a very like maybe they're not doing it on purpose but I also feel like are they (laughs) I mean you do have to wonder right it is sort of to their advantage of I quit my job and oh my gosh I don't know what the heck I'm doing help me (laughs) right exactly true I love that you were self-aware enough to think that, hey, chasing isn't fulfilling to me. So I need to get a job to stop chasing so that I can just, well, coach in the awesome job that you got, but also you get to experiment with your business without that stress. Thank you. Yeah. I actually, I think it's like the best decision I've made in a very, very, very long time. (laughs) So, um, and what's funny actually is that many entrepreneur, my entrepreneur friends were like, don't do this. Like it was very much like, you don't want to do this. Are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, oh, I'm sure. (laughs) But it's just really funny. It's all, I mean, I hate to say this and some people were very nice about it, but it's sort of the entrepreneurship brainwashing of like, don't give up ever. (laughs) And it's like, I'm not giving up. This is really good, but it's just kind of funny. So I think that that's so funny because the same thing was happening when I started talking about moving over to coaching from photography, like all my, well, not all my, but very many photographer friends were going, no, like you're so good or this, this and that, like you have to keep going. And like, if you're quitting, what am I going to do? And I think that's like a big, I think it says something about how people are feeling maybe about their own business like if if one person is like I'm gonna quit it brings up that that worry like oh should I too like maybe this isn't actually working out and then like push it down push it down (laughs) like it's fine it's so true and it's it's really really interesting um because I had people who would like cry you know and you know because I I told my clients and I'm like oh no It's like, it doesn't mean it's not going to work for you. It just means that right now, this is the best decision that I could make for myself. But it's really hard. Um, It's really hard. Well, you also got like, you found like the dreamiest job, like it, you get to actually do the thing that you want to do in your business. So, or like in a way, even if it's not like exactly your niche or stuff, but it's you get to do the actual thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say it's like the unicorn job, you know, I made the list and then it just showed up and there you go, (laughs) which I know not everyone is going to be that lucky, but I mean, sometimes you are, which I also think is something to, to put out there, which is like, 
I didn't think this job existed, but I also wasn't looking for it. Right. You know, and maybe if you look for what you don't think exists, maybe it actually does exist. You just, you haven't been looking for it yet. Yeah. Can you tell for the listener who hasn't listened to your podcast, what are you referring to with the list? Yes. So my list was all the things that I wanted out of a job. So I basically, I sat down with myself and I just want to make it clear. I think I got this from um, my former coach, Marissa, who was also mm-hmm. on the podcast, Marissa Bailey, um, who's like, make a list of your sort of non-negotiables. These are the things this job has to have for it to be something that I want to do. Um, which for me was like, I don't want to work more than like 40 hours a week. And my job is 30 to 40, depending on how much work there is. If there's mm-hmm. not that much, I don't have to sit at my desk for no reason, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> and I wanted remote. I wanted to coach. Um, and I can't think of all the other things, but yeah, but yeah, I got, I got exactly what I wanted. Like I found that position really quickly, actually, uh, which is interesting after I made the list because I knew what I was looking for, which did make it a lot easier. And I was prepared to wait. Um, it was a little scary cause you know, the money thing, but at yeah. that point I was pre- prepared to wait it out and see if I could get something that fit it. And there mm-hmm. you go. I'm thinking also just for business owners, it might be good to make this list just as a reminder and like as a mm-hmm. guide for like how to structure your own business. If you've kind of gotten, if it's gotten away from you, a little bit. That's so true. Yeah. What do you want? Like, what is the ideal situation? Yeah. I love that. Um, and I still think like if you are a business owner and you feel super worried about money all the time, I really do think like getting a job of some kind, it doesn't have to be a full-time job. Um, and if you have a job and you want to quit your job, mm-hmm. I just want you to know that like there, like quitting and being full-time in your business is really not any better than here unless you are in a toxic like job environment. So there's good and bad to everything. And my biggest piece of advice either way is that it's okay to, to really grow slow and you can't have full control over everything. So be kind to yourself, focus on the things you do have control over. It's all you can do. All right. Those were some really good wisdoms that I think we can end on. So before we hop off, I just want to give you a chance to tell people a little bit more about your podcast. And then I know that you have a new freebie that you've created for people who want to quit a habit that is potentially eating up a lot of their time. And I'll, of course, add all the links in the show notes. So you don't need to mention them here. We've got those covered. Yeah. So the best place to find me is really the podcast, something even better. Um, we've kind of alluded to it throughout this entire <laughs> interview. So yes, uh, I talk a lot about business there, but I talk a lot about just finding your way to a more meaningful career in life. Uh, that's something that has been really important no matter what business niche I've been in. So yeah, that's really what I talk about. Um, the freebie is all about all the resources. So long story short, (laughs) I took January off of social media. This is 2022 in case you're listening a long time from now. (laughs) Um, And we're in mid-February and I'm barely on it now. I haven't put it back on my phone. And because in January, I was like, this is awesome. I was reading more. I was playing more, like all the things were great. And I was like, I don't really want to get back into that habit. And during that, I created this really meaty list of resources, mm-hmm. podcasts, books, articles, I mean, tools, everything you could think of um, for quitting social media. And I just want to say like, you can download this freebie, even if you don't want to like fully quit. I haven't fully quit, but I do sort <laughs> of feel like I have quit. I know that sounds really weird. Um, it's just this like, if you're struggling with the scrolling, if you're struggling with just always being distracted and sucked into it, uh, there's lots and lots of great resources in this freebie. So check it out. Hopefully it will help you quit that habit. Sounds good. Yes, so I'm going to add all the all the links in the show notes. 
so that you guys can go find this resource, find the podcast, and I'll I'll add your Instagram anyway, even if you're not currently much on there. Maybe you will be <laughs> in the future. You never know. I hop on occasionally. Like I will yeah. actually download. It's kind of annoying, but it's good. I'll download it to my phone. I'll post a few stories, and then I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> I take it back off, but it's kind of nice. <laughs> hmm. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today and sharing your thoughts. I had a blast with you being my first guest. I had a blast too. I can't wait to uh, just connect with people more wherever they want to find me. And thank you so much for inviting me as your first guest. If you love this podcast, why not share it with your friends, your family, your favorite social media profile, literally everyone you know. (laughs) And take a minute to give me a review wherever you listen. I love reading the reviews and sharing is always caring.